Okay, good evening everyone. Thank you for coming. Tonight's class has been sponsored by Velvel and Polina Tsikman. And this is in honor of the birthdays of their two sons, Yisrael David on the 24th of Cheshvan and Herschel on the 27th of Cheshvan. May the Abish to bench them both with a Shnas Bracha Natzlach and a wonderful, wonderful good year of great prosperity and growth and everything in the material and in the spiritual and a lot, a lot of nachas to the parents, and uh, only, only, only good things for the entire tzikmen mishpacha. You know, last week, um, I, I, Monday night, I only did a preliminary shear. I didn't feel ready, and we spoke about Yerushalayim, but I redid it on Tuesday night, and it's called Yerushalayim, um, Her Deepest Secrets. And this week, we're going to talk about Chevron and her deep secrets because this week is Parsha's Chayasara is the Parsha of Chevron. I'm being, I guess, I'm inspired by that by being in the Holy Land and maybe hopefully a little tiny bit of that holiness trickled into my soul. And maybe that's why it's burning through me to talk about Yerushalayim and Chevron and all those cities. What's its spiritual significance, especially since we are all coming home very, very soon. But as a Hashem, we're going to find ourselves back in Eretz Yisrael. And the way back is going to be through the city of Hebron. Because we have to go pick up our fathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So we're going to return. The Rebbe says many times, we're going to return to Eretz Yisrael. We're going to go straight to Hebron and from Hebron to Yerushalayim. So... There is a, I'm also going to see that Hebron has a special connection to Moshiach as well. As we find that David the Melech, when he became king, he needed to first be king in Hebron. I mentioned it last week as well. And from Hebron, he was able to ascend to the throne in Yerushalayim. So Moshiach Tzedkenu as well has to go first to Hebron and from Hebron to Jerusalem. So Hebron is very special. Today, we have a miracle to report, and everybody knows the Eibishter has turned over the world for the sake of the Jewish people. I mean, if, you, if, if your eyes are not seeing it by now, I don't know what I can possibly do to remove the, the blind folds. As I mentioned, one has to be um, blind and blindfolded with ten shmatas on their eyes not to see what's happening in the world. Uh, the, 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 the political scene, the state of the world was working in a way that was very unfavorable to the Jewish people. That was the, the energy on the street, the energy in the masses. The way it was working was it was piling up. It was great, gaining steam and momentum, a powerful force to stifle and to stop the, 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 the holding on of the Jewish people onto Eretz Yisrael to... to to suppress that, to stop it, to disconnect us. And that was going on in the years of the previous administration. It was only getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was so in Washington, and it was so in the UN, and it was so in uh, Europe, and so it was general the world opinion. Um, and we were losing the battle on all fronts. It was horrible, and it was going on worse and worse and worse and worse. More and more and more was being done to detach and to separate the, the Jewish people from our homeland. And uh, just three, about three years ago, the Eberster threw, threw, threw the entire world for a spin by changing radically, which everybody, 
based on what you're seeing today, let's not, we're not blind, what we're seeing today in terms of how resistant the general public is to the presidency in the United States of America, how much is being done to undo it as if it never happened. So you see how, how impossible this was for a fellow like this, may he be blessed, to win this this um, this this this, ele this election and become president of the United States, um, it's causing such a what we might say an allergic reaction and such a revolt against it, which tells you two things. Number one, you have to um, we have to dig deeper and understand why is there an unparalleled animosity and a hatred. I mean, it's not it's not just ordinary policy. There's something that borders beyond any explanation of why there is such a, 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 a deep, um, unsatiable and unquenchable um, desire and thirst and, 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 and want to, to, to dethrone him and to throw him off, number one. Number two, by seeing how big and how great the opposition is, you get to realize how impossible it was for him to win in the first place and how he should not have based on any natural state of things been the president of the United States it's by now it should be I've been saying this even before he became president but by now and then I felt a little bit like you know <laughs> a little bit like a, a, a wolf in the wilderness howling by now it should be clear to anybody who's, who 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 Eretz Yisrael being a land where the Jewish people can walk freely is dear to their heart. Uh, anybody who cares about Jerusalem, anybody who cares about uh, these deeply important things, cares about Mashiach, um, uh, it should be clear to us now that this is the hand of the Almighty, this is the hand of God. And, uh, and that's why it is, because it is so Mashiach, because it is so explicitly the hand of the Eberster, the hand of God, that is the reason for both things, why there was such a resistance, and why it has to be that it doesn't make any sense. Like every day you turn, tune into the news, you're, you're looking at a world that does not make any sense. In addition to Eretz Yisrael, that doesn't have a government, which also doesn't make any sense. In addition to America, what's, and especially in the United States of America, the change of the superpower of the world in which he favors Israel also with an irrational and inexplainable explanation. What does he have with the Jewish people that he makes this so central? I mean, he, does he get the evangelical vote? Okay, maybe. But, but uh, the animosity that he gets because of that maybe far outdoes uh, the, the, what he can gain. And the answer is it's not him. It's not him at all. What is sitting in the, in the what, what, what's taking place in, in Washington is the hand of God turning the tables and fighting off those forces that try to break, as we said earlier, and separate the Jewish people from the land of Israel. That's what's taking place. So it's clear that we are now witnessing the messianic process. Now, if we needed more, more evidence so on the very week that we read about the, the first acquisition of the Jewish people of the land of Israel, Eretz Yisrael belongs to us because God promised it to us. He promised it to Avram Avinu. But that promise took place already two weeks ago, Parshas Lech Lech, I mean, two weeks ago, it took place 
uh, close to 4,000 years ago, the promise. But the, the, the act, but that was a promise from Hashem, and that's good. You can take that to the bank. But in addition to that, there was actual illegal purchase. Illegal purchase that is documented in the Torah, Pashas Chayasara, where the Medrash tells us that there are three places where the nations of the world, even if they're going to have a complaint to the Jewish people regarding the rest of Israel, that we are thieves. Because we're taking a land that does not belong to us. On that we have a very good answer, Rashi says. We're not thieves because the entire world, the real estate, belongs to God. And therefore, he supersedes anybody's ownership. So even if there was ownership in the land of Israel of anybody else, that ownership does not, does not override God's ownership. And therefore, Hashem can give, take the land and give it to whomever he chose, and he chose to give to the Jewish people. That's regarding all of the land of Israel where there is a complaint and there is a refutation of the complaint. The nations complain and then we can refute it. But there are three places in which they cannot even complain in the first place because we paid top dollar for it. This was like a purchase of the most expensive real estate. And what are those three places? One of them, and the first one is Hebron, the, the cave, Machpelah, where our Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah are buried, has zero relationship to the Muslims. It is completely not related to the Arabs. Even though Avram is buried there, and Avram could be the grandfather of the Arabs as well, Avram purchased this land for Sarah and not for Hagar, which means he didn't even purchase it for himself. He purchased it for Sarah. That means that he purchased it for the Jewish people. So they don't have absolutely zero claim. And Avram paid an enormous sum, which, as they say, Medrash makes a cheshbin, a calculation of what kind of sum this was. The 400 Arba Meir Shekel Kesef Over La Socher, these are the best coins. This was a, we can say, a. Um, uh, uh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a cheap purchase. It was a very, very, very expensive, and he bought it at, 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 at the highest price possible. So Hebron was one place where they can't dispute, and the other place they can't dispute is the place of the Beis Amignash, because David HaMelech bought it as well, and he paid an enormous amount of money for it, and so that's the Harabayas, and the third place where they have zero claim to is Shechem, where Yosef is buried. These are three places which says the Jewish people paid for the land. It wasn't just taken by conquest. We paid for the land. So here they can't have any complaints. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, it's interesting that Rebbe says that Dafka on these three places is when they, is where they're, they, they, they make a ruckus, where they're fighting and they have zero validity at all. And what the Jewish people need to do is we need to speak up and say the truth. So on the very day in which we're reading about it, Yesterday, as we read Pashas Chayasara, how Avram makes the purchase. The Chumash of today, Monday, because we read every day, Shish Rishon Tesheni, the Chumash of today, which is Monday, is when the first opening verse is, Vayakam's today Hamachpelo, that the field rose up from belonging to the Chittites, from belonging to Ephron, and it was elevated to become Avram's property. So you open it up, and today's Chumash opens up with the first parcel or the first piece of land belonging to the Jewish people.
On this very day, the announcement was made by Pompeo, um, who made the announcement um, that this that has been established in the latter days of the previous administration of the Obama administration by then Secretary of State uh, John Kerry, which said that Jewish settlements is a blatant, we, the United States, considers it a violation of international law. This was what, he, what, what, what has been stated by John Kerry as the official position of the United States of America. Today, it was announced that this administration is undoing that announcement of the previous administration and we are going back to the way it was seen during the days of Ronald Reagan and it's there as well. Jimmy Carter did it one way. He also said it's illegal for Israel to make settlements in what they call the West Bank but it's not the West Bank. It's Judea and Samaria. This is the, the lands of Judah. This is the lands, our land of the Jewish people. So they, um, uh, Jimmy Carter then said that this is a, 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 a violation of international law. We're not allowed to put any Jewish settlements there. Ronald Reagan turned it around and he said it's not. The United States does not see it as a violation. Kerry put it back the way it was before and Pompeo, with Trump's approval, reversed it today that this is... And the way it looks like, the way God is now pulling the strings, it doesn't look like it's going back. Even though Bernie Sanders is standing and screaming today, Dafka the Jew, who can understand this, is standing and screaming till he's getting hoarse, that it's illegal, and that the United States is making, is isolating itself from the rest of the world, and it's making a terrible mistake by doing that. Anyways, um, it tells you how close we are to Mashiach, because there is, <laughs> there is no one... There's nothing, there's, it, it isn't any other possibility but for Mashiach to come after this. In any case, so this is amazing. This is the miracles that have happened on today. Um, on Chav Cheshvan. So, what I, therefore, being that today is, we're talking about the land that Avram bought was in Hebron, let's talk about a little bit about the qualities of the city of Hebron. So the first time Hebron is mentioned is last week in the Torah portion. It mentions that Avram Avinu settled the first place that Avram, Avram comes in, Hashem tells him, Lech Lecha. He goes into Eretz it's not last week, two weeks ago in Parshas Lech Lecha. He goes into Eretz Yisrael. Rashi says he's going from one place to the next place, a month here, a month here, a month here. He's not settling anywhere. The first place that Avram actually settles in Eretz Yisrael is in the city of Hebron. The Pasuk says, Vayeshev Ba'aloyne Mamre, that Avram settles in the plains of Mamre, who Hebron, which is Hebron. The pasuk in Parshas Lech Lecha. Yeah, that is in Chevron. That's the first time the word Chevron is mentioned, and it has two names. It's called Aloyne Mamre, the plains of Mamre, which is Chevron. Fine, that is in Chevron. Fine, and he builds a, he builds a mizbeach there. Fine. Um, it's mentioned again last week in the parsha. Parshas Vayera, not with the name Hebron. Over there it's mentioned that um, Hashem comes to visit him. Vayera Elov Hashem, Be'eloine Mamre, in the plains of Mamre. Right in the beginning of Parshas Vayera, Hashem comes to visit him in the plains of Mamre. And it doesn't say who Hebron, but that's Hebron. The, the plains of Mamre, that's Hebron. Okay? So that's where the great visit came, when the angels come, 
That's where it happened. It happened in Hebron. Avram has his tent, and he's, and he's sitting outside, and it's hot. That whole story is taking place in Hebron. Avram moves away from Hebron right after that because his son, nephew, his, his nephew, I'm sorry, his nephew Lot got a, bad, got a bad reputation. He was a relative. Avram was embarrassed to be living next to, next to his nephew uh, Lot because Lot had relations with his daughters. His daughters became pregnant from him, and this didn't, uh, Avram was uncomfortable with this whole situation. He ran away as far as he can. Not as far as he can, he went to Be'er Sheva. Avram, Avram lived in Be'er Sheva, in that area, which is more south in Eretz Yisrael. He lived there for 26 years, and then he moved back to Hebron. Rashi says 12 years before the Akedah Yitzchak. So again, from which place does God tell Avram Avinu to go to the Akedah, to go sacrifice his son? And the journey that Avram Avinu takes for three days is from Hebron to Jerusalem. So you think about how awesomely special this Hebron is. It is the first place that Avram lives. This is where Avram and Sarah's tent is. Here's where they give birth to Yitzchak. Here's where Avram is sent to go to the Akedah Yitzchak. And here is where we have the opening of this week's parsha. Sarah Imenu, our mother Sarah, passes away in Hebron. Okay? Um, now, what does the Pasuk say? Vatamasham Bekiryas Arba, she passes away in a place called Kiryat Arba. He Hebron, which is Hebron. So now we find a new name to the place. Remember, before we had, it was called um, Elone Mamre. That was one name. Here we call it Kiryat Arba, the Kiryas Arba, and which is Hebron. Okay. We have one, and, and later in Parshas, we have more, more references in Bereshis to Hebron. Um, I didn't go through the whole Chumash to find all of them, but one of them which I want to make mention to is that we have when Yosef, when Yaakov sends Yosef to, to go meet the brothers, it says, Yaakov sends him Me'emek Hebron, from the valley of Hebron. And there you, don't have, you don't only have Hebron, you have Me'emek Hebron, from the depth of Hebron. That's something to consider. So we have regular Hebron, and then we have Emek Hebron. That must be something deeper in Hebron itself, which is called Emek Hebron which is really the whole secret of the Golos and the Geula. It's all starting in Amek Hebron. Right? Now, um, and then, another place where Hebron is, is uh, noticeable in the Torah is when the spies come in to spy on the land. When the spies came in, so Moshe sends them, and they, he tells them, I'll lose Ebenegav, go up on the, on the south and come up. It says, Vayavoyu ad Nachal Eshkol. They came to the Nachal, which is the, like, uh, the valley of Eshkol. And over there they cut, they cut off grapes from Nachal Eshkol. That Nachal Eshkol is Hebron. Uh, or close by to Hebron. That's what the Midrash says. So the Midrash says actually that Hebron has four names. It's called Eshkol. It's called... Um, called Mamre, it's called Kiryas Arba, and it's called Hebron. Four names to Hebron. So that we'll see the number four is a very significant number when it comes to the city of Hebron. And it has actually four names. 
So I want to get a little bit into the meaning and significance of these names and into the spiritual meaning of the city. What is the specialty, the special qualities of the cities of Hebron? So, now really, it, it, I, I, I'm questioning, maybe I didn't get a chance to, to look this up. While I'm speaking now, I'm getting a little, um, I'm getting a little, uh, what we call it, uh, static in my brain. And that I'm, 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 we know that Rashi says that the only one who went to Hebron by the Maraglim was only Kalev. Kalev went to Hebron to pray. So we know that there is today, everybody goes, and it's always been a minute by the Jewish people, to go pray by Kivrei Tzadikim, to go pray at the, at the grave sites of the great Tzadikim. That's been an ancient custom. Where do we have it actually explicitly stated in the Torah, in Chumash, that there is a place to pray by a caver of a tzaddik? The place, the place where it is mentioned is Kalev davening by the caver of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, that Hashem should protect him from the Eitzah of the Meraglim, from the council of the Meraglim. He was afraid that he would be seduced by the, by the Meraglim, and he went to pray by Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. He himself went there. Here in the Medrash, it seems to be said, maybe Nachal Eshkol is a suburb, and Eshkol itself is Hebron, and only Kalev was the one he separated from the rest of the nine spies, and he went to Hebron. That's where we find someone coming to Hebron to pray at that special place. Later in the history of the Jewish people, what else happens in Hebron? David becomes king in Hebron. David HaMelech is appointed king in Hebron. He first rules in Hebron for seven years, and the Jewish people are not with him, only his tribe. Only the members of his tribe of Yehuda are subjugated and see David the Melech as their king. But in Hebron, in the end, all the rest of the tribes come to him, and they, and they want to join in and anoint David as a king. In Hebron is where the inauguration takes place. David HaMelech accepts and becomes king over all the Jewish people, and then he moves to Jerusalem, and he rules in, in Yerushalayim. So we understand that Hebron has another significance. It is the foundation of Malchus Beis David. The kingship, it's the cornerstone of Malchus Beis David, of the, of the family, of the Davidic dynasty, which is the ultimate uh, redemption of the planet, the redemption of the world, the future of the world, it's all in Hebron. Even though Jerusalem is David's city, Ir David, David we pray for Yerushalayim, is David Amelech, but his root and the foundation of David is in Hebron. So these are just a couple of facts regarding Hebron. Let's look a little bit into the significance, the names of why Hebron is called Hebron. So um, let's begin with Rashi. First of all, we'll start, why is the city called Kiryas? Arba. No, I'll start with a Rashi a little earlier. In last, in Parshas Lech Lech, oh, in Parshas Lech Lecha, where it says, Mamre, so Rashi says, why is it called in the plains of Mamre? Why is he called Mamre? So Mamre comes from the word Limrud, to rebel. Mamre, so already we have a compliment on, on Hebron, it's a place of rebellion. A rebellion against who? A rebellion against the idols, against foreign gods. Shamarat Bavodizara. 
again, this is not in, to be found in all prints of Rashi. This is in one of the early prints of Rashi. In this Chumash that I have over here, the art scroll, Mekrodz Kedoilis, he brings this, these added parentheses of this Rashi. It's called Eloine Mamre because it's a place of rebellion against Avodah And also, Asher Bechevron, why is it called Asher Bechevron? Shechiber es atzmoi la Kaddish Baruch So Mamre and Chevron are two sides of, the one, of one coin. Mamre means to rebel against the unholy, rebellion. And, and Chevron means Shechiber es atzmo, that this Mamre, he's Avram's friend, Mamre was actually Avram's friend, that this Mamre attached himself la Kaddish Baruch so we see that the essence of the word Hebron is attachment. Attachment to who? Obviously, attachment to God. So we have an explanation on two names. Mamre, rebellion against the unholy, and Hebron, attachment to God. Okay, that's Rashi two weeks ago in Parshas Lech Lecha. Now let's take a look at Kiryas Arba. Why is the city called Kiryas Arba? So Rashi says, Al Shame Arba Anokim Shahayusham. There are four giants that live there. Who are the four giants? Achimon, Sheshe, Talme, Vaavihem. The three brothers, Achimon, Achimon, Sheshe, and Talme. Let's just say that these are guys that you wouldn't want to meet. Okay? Definitely not in a dark alley. Okay? These are three notorious giants that sh- sent shivers down the spines of everybody. Everybody was petrified of these guys. And they lived there in that, in that Hebronian hills. Achimon, Sheshe, and Talmai, and their father. And when the Maraglim came into Eretz Yisroh, the spies that Moshe said, they saw these spies and they were terrified. They said, we feel like little roaches, like little, like little grasshoppers. We feel like tiny grasshoppers. These guys were, okay, their father. So that's why it's called Kiryas Arba. It's the, it's the, it's the Kiryas. Kiryas means a city. It's the city of the four. That's all you have to say. The four, and everybody knows, the notorious four. They lived over there. And that's why it's called Kiryas Arba. Tavaracha, Rashi gives another pshat. That's a little negative. Because it is these bad guys that live there. Another pirush. That this is because of the four peers, four couples that are buried there. Who are the four couples? Adam and Chava. There are four couples buried in Ma'ara Samachpela. Adam and Chava, Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yaakov and Leah. Okay? Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah. These are the four peers. So, Kiryas Arba, the and what's, sometimes this is referred to Avos HaOlam. These are the patriarchs of the world. Adam and Chava, patriarchs of humanity. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Sarah, patriarchs of the Jewish people. The Rebbe explains in one of the talks, which I once gave about Sarah, that um, that the fact that it's, Av, that it's Adam and Chava is also not meant to be the parents of all of humanity, but regarding but the parents of the Jewish people as well. Meaning, Specifically the Jewish people. Why not everyone else is a discussion for another time. But again, so these are the Ovas Olam. These are the, these, these, these super tzaddikim that are all buried. And imagine the first human beings buried over there. Wow. Okay. So this is 
the, 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 the reasons that are given in Rashi. For, again, for what? For the name, for the name Kiryas Arba. Now, Rashi says four couples. The Midrash, let me quote to you the Midrash. The Midrash in Chayasara gives another few explanations of why the place is called Kiryas Arba. So Medrash says like this. Number one, the Medrash says it has four names. Eshkol, Mamre, Kiryas Arba, and Hevron. Like I mentioned earlier, four names. And why is it called Kiryas Arba? So the, Med- the Medrash says a few reasons. Number one, four Tzadikim lived there. When Rashi is talking about, Rashi is talking about Tzadikim, but Rashi says they were buried there. But the Medrash first says there were Tzadikim that lived there. Who are the tzaddikim that lived there? Avraham lived there. Oner, Eshkol, and Mamre, the three friends of Avraham. They were all his advisors. They all supported him, and they're called tzaddikim. And these four tzaddikim lived there. And then the Medrash says also, four tzaddikim had their bris milah there. Who are the four tzaddikim? The same four. Avraham, Oner, Eshkol, and Mamre, all circumcised in that place. Fine. Another pirish, Davarachar, another pirish, Kirsarba, that four tzaddikim are buried there. You know what's interesting? Unlike Rashi, who says four couples, the Medrash says four tzaddikim. Who? Adam, Adam Arishon, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. The four male tzaddikim. But Davarachar, another pirish, the other pirish is the four mothers. Chava, Sarah, Rivka, in other words, Rashi combines them and makes them into couples. What, again, I'm not giving an explanation. I'm just saying it's an interesting thing. Medrash says separately, four tzaddikim and four tzadkaniyas. Four righteous men and four righteous women are buried there. And then another pirish, the first pirish that Rashi gave, the four giants that live there. Gimel, there is this fellow, um, Anak, there is a super giant, and there is his three children. Now I'm going to stop right over here. Since we're talking about the super giant and his three children, I'm going to read to you a pasuk in Sefer Yehoshua. See, these are all news. Uh, this is news to me today. I, I got to look up many things. I got to find some really cool things. So in Sefer Yehoshua, in Perak Yodalad, in Joshua, the last, uh, chapter 14, um, the last pasuk in Perak Yodalad, V'shem Chevron, and the name of Chevron, Lefonim, in the past, Kiryas Arba. It was called Kizavot. This, this is actually a pasuk in Tanakh, in scripture. Before that, it was called Kiryas Arba. Why Kiryas Arba? Ha'odom ha'godol ba'anokim. The man who is the greatest of giants. Now the Talmud tells us that the man who is the greatest of giants is Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is called the, the giant of giants. There was never a spiritual giant like, like no other is Avram Avinu. I think it's even that it says that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, don't stand in the place of the great. That even Moshe Rabbeinu was told that even though you're the most, you are the one that I'm connecting more than, more than any other human being, until Moshe Rabbeinu, more than anybody else, but you should know it's in the merit of, of Avram Avinu who is the super giant, and don't stand in the place of giants. So according to the Drash, Midrash, Ha'adam Agadol Ba'anokim, the great man, who is, uh, who, is, uh, who is this biggest giant that because of him uh, the city is called uh, Kiryas Arba is, is, uh, is Avram. 
That's according to the Midrash. But according to the simple pshat, this is so fascinating. According to the simple pshat, Metsudeh is David, Radak, and also, this is Metsudeh is David and Radak, and also an hour Chumash. That, again, that's a Navi. And also an hour Pasuk, the Rajbam, the Evan Ezra. Let me see, I'll tell you. The Evan Ezra and the Rajbam and the Cheskuni all say the same thing. <laughs> this is cool. You know that we say there is a father and three sons. There's a father and there's three sons. And they're all giants. And the father is a super giant. So who's the super giant? That super giant, his name is Arba. Kiryas Arba means it's the Kirya belonging to a man called Arba. Now this Arba was the head of the mafioso. Okay, this is like the, this is the, the mob boss. His name was Arba. Okay, you ever knew that? I, ne- See, I like learning something that I never saw before. All my years in yeshiva, no one ever told me this. I guess I never was looking to Mepharshim. <laughs> there is a man, his name is Arba, a big super giant. And he had those sons. And that's why it's called Arba, Kiryas Arba. And that's what the Pasuk says. There are many giants. There were many giants in those days. But he is Ha'adam Ha'gadol Ba'anok. And he is the greatest of all giants. And he, it was his city, Chavro. Now, we're soon going to see that, um, but, but again, even though he himself is called Arba, the super giant, but as Rashi says, um, he also had three sons. So it's also called Arba because the father and the three sons. But what you see from here is that, and let me tell you one thing, These, this Arba fellow, and his three sons were not Sadiqim. These were really, the reason they were such giants is because they were powerful, powerful forces of Klippa, of the unholy. And that's the rule, the way God made his world. The holier the place, the bigger the Klippa that's sitting on it. Just like, you know, you have to crack the nut. You have to crack the shell to get the nut. So these are four powerful clippers that were living there. We'll see soon why they were four powerful clippers. Because inside of it is, is going to be Ma'ara Samach Pelo, which is going to be where the four super tzaddikim couples are going to be buried. And therefore, the four, every, every power has to have a balancing power. So the forces of evil were also super giants. Because Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are giants. They're not physical giants, but the spiritual giants. So opposing them were these four powerful giants, and they were physical giants as well. Because holiness is not always, holiness is more modest. So if it's a giant in the inside, it doesn't necessarily show itself on the outside that it's a big giant. But in Kalipa, if it's a giant in the inside, it means it's powerful, it needs to boast about it and, 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 and put it out on the outside. So you have these super giants. So they are the f- forces against Kedusha. We'll soon see where, where that states, where, where it says that. Okay, so going back to the Midrash. So we have this place called Arba, fine. Then the Midrash gives another reason why it's called um, Kiryas Arba, that Avram Avinu left Hebron when he chased after the four kings. And Avram went to battle against the four armies. 
He was victorious over them. He decimated them. He came back victorious. It's what killed Kiryas Arba because the champion that defeated single-handedly him and Eliezer, the four, four mightiest armies of the world, was, came from there. That's why they called the place the, Kir, the Kirya, the, the city of the champion of the four armies. Okay? That's the reason why. So then it's named after Avram Avinu, the great champion. And another reason why it's called Kiras Arba. Because when they divided Eretz Yisrael, the land was specified in four through four lotteries. In other words, it went through four lotteries until it landed to its permanent owner. What were the four lotteries? The first lottery it was drawn, Eretz Yisrael was given out by lottery. We learn in Pasha's Pinchas. You should divide the land by lottery. So when they divided the land of Eretz Yisrael, Hebron fell in the land of Yehuda. So it belonged to Yehuda. Then they made another lottery, which is in which part in, in, the, in this area, Hebron itself, which parts are going to who? So the second lottery, at least the suburbs of Hebron, not the actual place itself, I think the Gemara says, fell to Kalev. Who's Kalev? Kalev is one of the 12 spies. He was the one who came to pray in Hebron. So Hashem rewarded him because he prayed in Hebron that he got Hebron to be part, his, was his, was his, was his, fell to his lot. Then, it was turned out that Hebron was given to the Levites. And the Medrash says, actually, it was given first, yeah, first to the Levium and then to the Kohanim. Now, exactly why it was given to the Levium and Kohanim, what happened first, why, where, and when, I don't know the full story, and it's not, it's not the, uh, um, for tonight's class, something that should be researched a little better. But the, the, the city was, was um, the, the, the Levites, the Levium, were given 48 cities in Eretz Yisrael. And those 48 cities were also cities of refuge. Because the Levites, the Levium, did not get a part in Eretz Yisrael. Levium did not get a part of Eretz Yisrael. That you should say one area. They were dispersed over all the entire land. And each Shevet, each tribe, needed to give a few shtetlach, a few provinces for the, Levi, for the Levium to live. Now, in that area from Shevet Yehuda, Levi got Hebron. And every place where the Levium lived was also a city of refuge. When someone killed someone accidentally, he would run to that place. So Hebron was one of those cities. Within the Levium, it was then given to the Kohanim as, and again, that part I'm not clear on. I have to still uh, look that up. But it's, it's the city of the Levium, let's just say in general. But it, since it passed four, till it was designated, it went through four stages of designation, Kiryas Arba, four owners. Rabbeinu Bachaya, this is what the Medrash says. Rabbeinu Bachaya says, slightly different. This slightly different. Arba doesn't mean four. Arba means the fourth. Again, Arba does not mean four. It means the fourth. Who is the fourth? It fell in the lot of Yehuda, which Yehuda is the fourth son. Because okay? initially, as we said before, it went to Yehuda, the Caliph, 
So it's not a contradiction. How did it go to, to Yehuda and then to Levi? Because every tribe needed to give from their lands to the Levium. So it's really Yehuda's property, but then this particular place had to go to the Levium. But Kaponim, it falls to the fourth tribe, which is Yehuda. So therefore, it's called Kiryas Arb. Okay, that's generally what the Medrish is saying about the name Kiryas Arba. Now, we're going to get in a few moments a little bit more to the spiritual qualities. I'm trying to first assess the situation on the, on the uh, okay. Now, why is it called, hold on, one second. Now we really need to understand the significance of the name Hebron. What is its meaning of the name Hebron? So I said earlier that Hebron comes from the word Chibor. And Chibor means attachment. So, let me quote to you Rabbeinu Bechaya. He already, again, Rabbeinu Bechaya is from the Rishonim, but he likes, he already, in Rishonim you don't have much, in most of the Pirushim of the Rishonim, they stick very much to pshat, to simple interpretation, literal interpretation. Rabbeinu Bechaya, not only does he do drash and remez, but he even creeps into the fourth dimension called Sod, secret. He introduces a lot of Kabbalistic ideas. But over here, he says, um, This is very powerful. Why is it called Chevroin? It's called Chevroin. Anybody that's buried there, his soul becomes attached above in the city of God. There is a city up there, just like there's a, there's a city of bodies, there's a city of humans down here, and then there is a place called Ir Elokeinu, the city of souls, the capital city where God has his palace and the souls that are the closest. It's called Ir Elokim, the city of God. Everybody wishes to be a resident of that city. It's the most expensive real estate. But you don't pay with cash, you pay with mitzvahs. And to end up in that city. So everybody that's buried there, his soul becomes immediately attached, Why? And therefore, why is it called Arba? Because there are four camps that surround the Shekhinah, four camps of angels. Michal, Gavriel, Oriel and Rephael, and each, amongst each of them is myriads of angels. Or, like we, he's probably referring to, to the Merkava, to the chariot, which is same idea, the four camps of the angels. One of them is called the lion. The other one is the, is the, is the ox. The other one is the eagle, the nasher. And the other one is the adam, the face of the man. Which spell the word shinon. As the Pasuk says, alfei shinon. The Pasuk in Tehillim. Shinon is Shin, Nun, Aleph, Nun. Shin is Shor, Nun is Nesher, Aleph is Adam. And Shinon and Nun is Shor. Oh, sorry. Uh, Shor, Nesher, Aryeh. And what's the last one? 
Arya Adam. So how does it fit with the two nuns? I'm going to check in a minute. In any case, the four, the, the whoever, so the, the Rabbeinu Machai says, anybody buried in Hebron immediately is attached. It's like without any interruption, they go up and they become attached to Iralokeinu, to the city of God. We're, and it's called Kiryas Arba because of the four Machnois Shechina, the four camps of the Shechina that are there. And that's why, that's Kiras Arba, which is Chevron. To further advance this idea that there's something super special about that place, and especially about being buried in that place, in Chevron, where only the greatest of the great were buried. The Al Shech in Torah's Moshe and the Al Shech, he says, similar to Rabbeinu Bechaya, but he adds just a little bit of a. He says, Ki chevroin, why is it called Chevron? You're talking who? Al his chabros, the attachment. Shal that cave is attached in ma'olam with the supernal world. Kenoidat slainu as it is known by us. Kihi knisa ligan eden ha'aretz. That in Chevron and in Ma'ara Samachpela is the entrance way to the Gan Eden that's on the earth. We know there's many levels of Gan Eden. As souls go and they become more and more detached from the material physical world, they divest themselves from their kind of semi-garments uh, uh, um, which, which connect them to the physical world. And each time they drop another garment, they go higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher to higher Gan Edens. But their first station, when they're very still much attached to physical reality, is they go to the lower Gan Eden, which is somehow attached to this physical world. The entrance to that Gan Eden is in Ma'ara Samach And that's why it's called Hebron, because, and therefore, um, it's attached. In other words, that's a place where the material and the spiritual attach. And therefore he says, Now most people um, that have finished their sojourn on earth are all going to Gan Eden, hopefully. We did mitzvahs, we do it, but we need a little uh, prep, let's say. Whatever preparation soul needs in order to get ready to make their way into Gan Eden. A little brushing off, just, you know, a little uh, touch-up, if you can say. Um, Sarah didn't need any touch-up. So she was able to, and therefore, other souls, when they pass away, they, it takes them a long time. They have to make their way. They might have to go around a little bit, visit different continents, different places, until they can find their way to Hebron, to the entrance. And now it seems like from other places that all neshamas actually pass through there. But other neshamas have to like put on ways uh, until they get there. And there's different routes, and sometimes there's traffic, and unexpected turbulence and all kinds of stuff on the way. Um, for Sari Menu, because she was so ready, Avram was able to take her and put her right by the entrance. So she would go slip right into Gan Eden. That's what he says. Loishasa, there was no, there was no interval, Misa, between her passing, Elishabris El Gan Eden Shalmaila to the Gan Eden. She went right into the Gan Eden. Kimiyadnis Khabra She was immediately attached above. And that's why it says with this name. That's the Al Shah. So Chevron means attachment, 
We have both from Rabbeinu Bechaya and from the Alshech HaKadosh that the meaning of the attachment is that somehow this is a place where the lower existence and the higher existence are attached. Similar to what we spoke about Jerusalem, which we said is also called Ir Shechubro Layachtov. It's a city that is attached to lower Eretz Yisrael and the higher Eretz Yisrael, the lower Jerusalem and the higher Jerusalem, the lower um, the lower uh, Beis Amigdash and the higher Beis Amigdash are attached to each other. So we have to understand what's the difference then between the attachment of Hebron and the attachment of Jerusalem. But one thing we know is Hebron is called Hebron. Its very meaning means attachment. Now, I'm going to share with you one last Gavaldiga idea before we get into the mysticism of them. We'll do it very quickly. The whole rest of the class is not too long, don't worry. Hebron is um, the Arachayim. The Arachayim says an amazing thing. He says that Sarah passed away, he wants to say it like this. The body is called Kiryas Arba, because the body is called a city. The reason the body is called a city is because it has a lot of limbs. All the limbs are the residents of the body. So the body is called a city. It's a city of made up of primary four, as we spoke earlier, four elements that make up the body. So it's called Kiryas Arba. So this passage is speaking about the passing of Tzadikim which probably must apply to the people in Hebron in particular. Again, he's not talking about, see the Arachayim is speaking about the concept of Kiryas Arbahi Hebron, but I am assuming that that applies to the actual city itself and the place itself and, the, and those that are physically buried there. He says like this, Vatama Sarah, that Sarah, because she was a Tzadikis, her death was not was not that she died. All she did was, her, her soul, Kiryas Arba, left the city of four. She was elevated. It's like similar to what it says in Hasidus, that, 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 that in, by Tzadikim, there's no death. There's only Histalkos. Histalkos means the soul is elevated higher than being visibly seen in the body. So the meaning of Vatamasara, Kiryas Arba. It's like, it's as if it would say, Vatamasara, Sara died Mikiryas Arba, from the Kirya of four, from this four plate, it was, she was elevated. Oh, but here's the Gavaldiga thing. He Hevron, which is Hevron. What does that mean? He says, because Tzadikim are so great that they take matter and they transform it to spiritual. Tzadikim live their lives completely devoted to, to, the, to, to, to serving God, so they don't pay attention to the matter for the sake of matter. Their matter is only for the sake of serving the spiritual. So they're to the point where their material of their body, their chomer of the body, becomes refined and elevated and spiritual. So therefore, not only do, they, do we say, okay, their souls are forever, no. Their soul shines down to their body, and keeps their body chevron. There's no decomposing at all in their body. Chevron means attached. So again, the attached, till now we learned that chevron regarding to a person passing away means the neshama becomes attached to Gan Eden. The neshama becomes an attached to the higher world of the Shekhinah. The neshama becomes immediately, as we spoke, is attached to God through the kiss. So it's all a 
attachment taking place in the spiritual. The Arachaim says no. Who Hebron, it's keeping the body Hebrew attached. And he proves it, and we spoke about it from the Gemaras, the Vir- we spoke about it last year when we spoke about Yaakov Avinu didn't die. Remember I spoke about that, a whole class about how tzaddikim don't die, and that it means in the literal, he goes on to say, like you find in the Gemara stories, that they were physically alive. They look dead, but they're physically alive. Their bodies stay alive. And he says, why? He says, just like Maimonides says in the, in the laws of uh, Yesodei HaTorah, where the, the Maimonides speaks about the four elements, he says that each element, some water, he says, becomes wind, and some wind becomes fire. Each element that's close to the next element slowly assimilates and moves from one element to the next element, he says, of course, tzaddikim, who's so close to the spiritual, they take their material and make it spiritual, so there's no death there. So their bodies are mamish, a spiritual entity that remains alive. And that's the meaning, Thomas Sarah, Bekirias Arba, she leaves, on the one hand, her soul is not confined by the body, but he chevroin, she keeps the body fully intact, fully alive, fully because fully functional. That's the Arachayim. Okay. In any case. Now, I just want to get a little bit into the mystical side of the city of Hebron. So, I mentioned earlier that David HaMelech needed to be king in Hebron before he can come to Eretz, to Yerushalayim. So, the Zohar in many places, the Tzemach Tzedek, third Chabad Rebbe, is trying to crack the code, not trying, he's a Rebbe, so he, he's not trying, he does. He's, he's, he's developing what Hebron is. What's the spiritual quality? What's the, the godly quality of the city of Hebron? Um, we know, and I'm, I'm going to say this as a, as a parenthetical, by the Chabad Rabbeim in particular, from all the places in Eretz Yisroel, they cherished Hebron more than any other place in all of Israel. Even more than Yerushalayim. There's a long letter from the Rebbe Rashab, whose today was his birthday, Chav Cheshem, Fifth Chabad Rebbe, where he is asking, he built a yeshiva in Hebron, this is before the pogroms, and he's asking people to go to Hebron, and he's defending because someone accused them. Again, if people said, you're not allowed to go from Yerushalayim to Hebron. If you're living in Jerusalem, you're living in the most holiest place, you're not allowed to go to Hebron. It's about a six, seven page letter. Chelek Dalin and Igris Kodesh of the Rebbe Rashab. Over there, he's giving all, proving, he's going through, I didn't go through it at all. Just a few little parts I looked. Where he's explaining, it's no problem at all. And he even wants to argue that even though in essence Jerusalem is holier than Hebron, that's only after when the Beis Amigdash was going to be rebuilt and so on and so forth. But currently in the time of exile, he says Jerusalem has a lot of non-kosher stuff going on in it. People have moved there that have, he writes, their theaters all there and all kinds of stuff, which block the holiness from being revealed. Hebron, he says, that has never happened to and therefore he says over there, I, he, he says like this, I would venture to say that currently Hebron is holier than Jerusalem. And therefore he's calling for Chassidim to move to Hebron. He's following in the footsteps of his great-great-grandfather, the Mittler Rebbe, 
the son of the Balatanya, the Mittler Rebbe, who very, very much, he started a yishuv in Hebron, the Chabad yishuv in Hebron, and he encouraged the Hasidim to leave Tzvas. Tzvas was, again, the seat of Kabbalah, of mysticism. The great students of the Baal Shem Tov went up to Tzvas, to Tveria, for the Galil, to the north. He encouraged 15 families to leave Tzvas and move to Hebron. And he says, and I write to Psalashim over there, that all of our Rabbeim, all their longing was only for Hebron. As Hebron as being the, the, the crown jewel of Eretz Yisrael. Very, very special. There's Lashonas over there that are really, really powerful. But in any case, the Tzemach Tzedek also, they built a shul, the Tzemach Tzedek also encouraged, they built a shul for the Tzemach Tzedek in Hebron, and they named it Beis Menachem. After the Tzemach Tzedek passed away, they named it after him, Beis Menachem, the shul of the Tzemach Tzedek. The Mittler Rebbe also had a shul um, in, in Hebron. In any case, there's a lot to talk about this. But what I do want to say is that the Tzemach Tzedek is trying to, not trying again, he's developing what is Hebron, what is the etymology of the spiritual energy of Hebron. So he brings from Zohar, I, a bunch of sources, I looked up four of them, okay? Where the Zohar is, 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 is see, explaining the word Hebron from the word Chibur, attachment, but what is being attached to what? What's being attached to what? What's being attached is that Malchus, the Shechina, Malchus, the Shechina, is being attached in Hebron is the place of attachment where Malchus is attached to her husband, the Zeiran, and primarily to the three spheroids, Chesed, Gevurah, Teferis. Why? Avram is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gevurah, Yaakov is Teferis, they're buried in Hebron, and Hebron itself, the earth, Eretz Yisrael is Malchus, Eretz Yisrael is Malchus, so in Hebron, where Eretz, where land, where Eretz Yisrael, which is Malchus, is attached, why is Eretz Yisrael called Malchus? In general, Malchus in general is called earth. Because we have 10 spheres, Malchus is the last sphere, the Shechina is called earth. So the, where Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are interned, that's the place of attachment where Chesed, Gevura, and Teferes flow into Malchus. So that's the idea of Yichud Kuchid Berichu Shechinte. That's the place of the ultimate Chibor. Now, Anybody that listened to last week's shir is going to say, well, you said the exact same thing on Jerusalem. Yira is, is Malchus. Shalem, I spoke, is Yesod. It's attachment. True. And I don't know the answer of what differentiates the Chibur that there is in Yerushalayim of these two factors and the Chibur that there is in Hebron. Anybody listening to the shir and wants to go through all these sources that Samach Tzedek and these places and give me a clearer understanding, I'd be very happy. But in general, it's also representing this attachment and this fusion of Malchus to the three other spheres, Chesed, Gevur, Teferis, as they fuse together, Hebron, the four of them together. And that's the reason, in addition to it being called Hebron, it's also called Kiryas Arba, the Kirya of four. What's the Kiryas Arba? Chesed, Gevur, Teferis, Malchus is the fourth, Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Malchus is the fourth. So therefore, and all of them together, Kiryas Arba, it's the Kirya. And what really that means, it's the point of connection of everything. Because we know that this, the three spheroids, Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, are Makabal from the Ein Sof, 
from above Atzilus, from the Ainsov. Malchus is the source of the creation of the finite worlds. So the connection of, it's like the two Kruvim. One of them represents the end of the flow of the Ainsov light. The other one, the other cherub, is the receiving end. So that chibur, that attachment, happens in Hebron. It's related to the four wheels or the four legs of the chariot. There are four legs in the chariot. Who are the four legs? Avram is one leg. Yitzhak is the other one. Yaakov is the other one. And the fourth one is David. That's the reason why David HaMelech could not go become king in Jerusalem until he was first in Hebron for seven years because David HaMelech is Malchus and in order for Malchus to have power she must receive that because she's compared to the sun, to the moon. Doesn't have any light of its own. Doesn't have any energy of its own. She must go receive it from her husband. So he had to go live in Hebron seven years so there can be a flow of the Yichud, of Ze'er Anpin, of the six emotions, primarily the first three, Chesed, Gevurit, Teferis, and they flow all into Malchus. And then you have Kiryas Arba, that's the Kiry of Arba. David HaMelech, after he receives that, he can ascend in Yerushalayim and manifest his kingship all the way. Powerful idea. He also says... Another meaning in the Kiryas Arba Hu Chevroin, hear this, related to the same idea, this Yichud, this attachment. He says like this, there are four letters in, in Malchus, what's the, Malchus has four letters, Aleph, Dalid, Nun, Yud. Ado, da 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 Nai, that's Malchus. Adon means king, master. Malchus is the, the power of kingship of God in the world. Then there is God as he transcends being a king over the world, the infinite light. That is Yud K Vav K. Kiryas Arba is Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. That's Malchus. Kirya. Malchus is called the city. It's the city of four. Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. Who Hevroin? It's attached. Kiryas Arba, Malchus, is attached. Mechubar, it's attached to the Yud K Vav K. So it's four and four. That's why there are four zugais. There are four couples that are buried there. Because the Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud is attached to the Yud, K, Vav, K. Attached perfectly together. The four couples. The females are the Aleph, Dalet, Nun. It doesn't say that explicitly. That's my understanding. The females are Malchus. Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. The males are Yud, K, Vav, K. And then together, they're, they're, they're buried over there is this Yichud of Adna and Havaya. And by the way, it's related to this year, which is eight, because you have four and four letters, the power of eight, which is this union on, on this level. And that is, the, which he, by the way, he says, Havaya and Adna, that's the gematria of Amen. Amen. Amen is 91. Mem, Nun, Aleph. Aleph, Mem, Nun is 91. Yud, Kei, Vav, Kei is 26. Uh, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud is 65. 65 plus 26 is 91. That means every time we say Amen, it's really saying Chevron. That's what Chevron is. Kiryas, Arba, Chevron. That's where Amen. Every Amen in the world resonates in Chevron. So the, so the Mittler Rebbe, hear this, hear this, hear this, Gewalt. So the Mittler Rebbe in a letter where he's again establishing, sending, laying the foundation for the community in Chevron, the Mittler Rebbe writes that um, the prayers that we daven every day, Shachris Minchemayrev, who was Masak in these prayers? Who instituted these prayers? Our fathers. 
Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Tfilois Avois Tiknon. Our Avois instituted the prayers. Where did they institute the prayers? In Hebron. He says, that's the place. The truth is, even though it says that Yaakov Davin and Hara Maria, um, um, so I need, I need explanation, but he says they were massacring them in Hebron. Maybe that's where they died. Maybe they instituted it the first time in, 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 in there, but then they Davin them always where in Hebron. What, again, that I need a little more explanation on. But here's the thing. He says, and therefore, prayer itself is called Hebron. Hear this. Prayer itself is called Hebron. Because in every prayer, he says, even though Shachris is Avram, and Mincha is Yitzchak, and Mairav is Yaakov, every prayer is a woven tapestry of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov together. Why? Avram's energy is love. So if you like a look in Avram's, you take a look in, um, in, uh, in Davening, you have psukim, verses that are all about love. Avas, avas olam avtanu, avas, 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 or avas olam beis Yisrael. There's a lot of psukim all about love. Then there are psukim that evoke awe and fear. Then there are verses that evoke compassion. Rachamecha harabim rachem oleinu. He says every prayer is a combination of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. It's connecting to God through all three emotions. So therefore, he says, every prayer is Hebron. Hebron, Elash, and Chibor. Chibor of Avram, Yitzhak, and prayer itself is Malchus. Prayer, we know Malchus is called prayer. Vanit tefillah. Prayer is Malchus, that's David. But its energy is an energy of love, fear, and awe. And that's the, that's the makeup of it. Therefore, he says... That before you daven every day, I'm, t- I'm quoting to you from the Mittler Rebbe's letter. He says, therefore, he says, every day before a person, every single person, we are children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Before you start praying, you're supposed to bond yourself. Before you pray every prayer, in your mind and in your speech and in your action, he says, the ones who were instituted it, in thought, speech, and action. What does it mean in action? I'm not exactly sure. Giving tzedakah, that's Avram. Learning something probably is, is, is Yaakov. Yaakov is Torah. What does it mean in action? Yitzchak? Uh, not exactly sure. And you're supposed to do it with your heart, not externally. Deeply meditate and connect to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And he brings, who is greater than David HaMelech, who went to Hebron first before he became a king, before he attached himself. So all of us need to attach ourselves to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov first. And therefore he says, who is not going to care, I mean, who, is going to, who is going to be stingy, he says, and not give from their money to support that holy city of Hebron? And he says like this, he says, all prayers, and this is something where I wanted to get to, he says, all prayers pass derech ma'ara samachpela, pass through ma'ara samachpela, makim shenizchabra ba'aveseinu akadoshim. All prayers, another reason why it's called Hebron, prayer itself is called Hebron, 
And all prayers in the whole world are collected from the whole world. And where do they all attach themselves together? Every day in Hebron. And from there, okay, this is what the Mittler Rebbe brings, that prayers go up in Hebron. You're going to ask a question? What do we know? We pray towards Jerusalem. Because our prayers go to Jerusalem. So are they going up in Hebron? Or they are going up in Jerusalem? Good question. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe brings this piece from his great, from his great great grandfather, from the Mittler Rebbe. And he says, like the Mittler Rebbe says, so it says in other Svarim, that the prayers go up in Hebron, all the way to, he brings from Yalkit Ruveni, and from Megala Amukos, the Yalkut Ravedi brings it from the Megala Amukos, Reb Nassim, who is a phenomenal big Kabbalist. And he says that the prayers go up in Hebron. So the Rebbe says on his own, Ulai, that the meaning is, that first all the prayers gather in Hebron, and then from Hebron is where they go to Yerushalayim, and from Yerushalayim they ascend. So the actual ascendance is in Jerusalem. But the gathering of the prayers. So it looks like the prayers are waiting for the last, the last, last you know, uh, Kratzer. Our Kratzers who daven late. So the last Kratzer who didn't finish his mincha yet. It's already like a half an hour after my of time, but he's still waiting. He's doing his mincha. Or, you know, like, we're waiting because all prayers wait for the prayers of every Jew. And afterwards, they go up. Where do they go? First to Hebron. That's where they wait. That's where they gather. That's where they attach. And then from there, they go up to Yerushalayim. Then the Rebbe brings, however, interesting, however, he brings that in another mimer of the Mittler Rebbe, in Kuntres Ehishtatchus, here it is, he brings in Kuntres Ehishtatchus, um, uh, that the Mittler Rebbe says, seems to imply that the prayers themselves go up in Hebron itself. Going back to what we said earlier, that where's the entrance of Gan Eden? That's where the prayers have to go up, through Gan Eden. So therefore they go up through Hebron. And therefore the Mittler Rebbe says, the tefillah that you daven by Ma'ara Samach is the most ritsuya, it is the most accepted, it is literally because you're standing right by the, just like Sarah's neshama goes right into Gan Eden, you're standing right by the source. It can't get stuck on a tree somewhere or on some, I don't know what, some blockage that might get in the way. There's, there's nothing to get in the way. You're right there. We have it as a Kabbalah. This causes me such regrets because two weeks ago I was in Eretz Yisrael and I was a Marasamach Pele, but we were in, they rushed me so fast. This is the first time I actually I went into Marasamach Pele, even though I'm a Kohen. I verified it. They, they, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal a secret for all Kohanim. I spoke to Rabbi Danny Cohen, who's the Chabad Shliach over there, and he told me he's been going into Hebron all along. I said, okay. I said, if I would be giving my life and every day living in, in danger in Hebron, I would also have to go into Marasamach Pele, but I don't. I come here to visit as a tourist. So I don't feel that I have to do it. Oh, but he says, but then his, not, he didn't tell me this, but the one who works for him told me this, that la halacha, there's something called Peseach Tefach. Peseach Tefach is when there is a hole in the caver. The, the, I'm not going to get into all the details of it. The Tumah escapes. So he says, we can't advertise it publicly because it was done illegally. I mean, illegally. Illegally that the Arabs don't know about it. They, they blasted a hole the size that is necessary down on the bottom 
area where the actual Kvarim are, so that Kahanim are perfectly fine to go Amar HaSamachpelah. So I was told this this time, so I went into Amar HaSamachpelah. They rushed me so fast because we were part of a group, and I didn't really get a chance to, like, I davened, but... Uh, <laughs> it's like, you realize after you read this, it's like, you, I, to a certain, there's a certain part of me that just wants to go back to Yisrael and spend the whole day just sitting, just like you sit by the Kotel, you know, davening, just davening in Ma'ar HaSamach Like, wow, that's the place where all prayers go, the f- f- immediately accepted. They're right at the source, and they're accepted. In any case, that is the, the quality of the city of Hebron. I'm just going to conclude with another interesting thing. Uh, the, the, the Rebbe's father, how can we skip that? Uh, he must have some really cool uh, insight on Hebron, anything that has to do with Kabbalistic uh, insight and ideas. Of course, this is only a drop of the bucket of what there is to speak about the subject, but I'm just going to add one more thing. Um, he mentions an interesting thing. He mentions that Kiryas Arba, like the Tzemach Tzedek, is Malchus. Malchus is called Kiryas Arba, as we said before. Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, Malchus. Malchus is also the fourth level. Because uh, there are four letters in, in, in Yud, Kei, Vav, Kei. Malchus is the latter He. So it's the fourth one. So Malchus, Kiryas Arba. But he says, that's Kiras Arba. Hebron, he says, is Yesod. Why is Hebron Yesod? Because Hebron comes from the word attacher. What's Yesod? Yesod is all about attaching. And that's why he says an amazing thing. Hebron is Gematria 266. Hebron is 266. It's the exact Gematria of Yosef. Yosef is Yesod, but not Yosef. Yosef plus the life that Yosef lived. How long did Yosef live? Yosef lived 110 years. So if you take 110 plus the gematria of Yosef, Yosef itself is Samach and Pei is 140 plus 16. Yosef is gematria 156. 156 plus 110 is 266. So Hebron, which is Yesod, and that's why it's possible to say that um, the, the Moshiach, so Hebron, sorry. so we understand the reason why David HaMelech had to first go to Hebron, and then he can go to Yerushalayim, because Malchus needs to receive from Yesod, as we said earlier. It's the Chibur, Malchus and Yesod. And that's also the reason, interesting, I'm just going to conclude that Moshiach is deeply connected to Hebron. Why? The Zohar, I'm just going to conclude with this. This is the last thought. I had to conclude with Mashiach. It says that the Zohar says, when you see the rainbow in glowing colors, very bright, wait for the footsteps of Mashiach. When you see the rainbow, so usually the rainbow is a negative sign. But if you see the brightest of rainbows, wait for the feet of Mashiach. So Kabbalah explains... Because Mashiach is the ultimate revelation of Malchus based David, kingship of David, Malchus. Malchus, fully illuminated by her husband, by the lights from above, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, which are the three colors of the rainbow. So when the three, and the whole idea of a rainbow is the Abishta makes a covenant that the rainbow will make a covenant with the earth. Earth is Malchus. Keshes is the three, three, and the three of them unify together. So the Indian of a luminous rainbow is the Indian of Mashiach. And therefore Mashiach is very deeply connected 
Just like his grandfather David had to go first to Hebron in order to be able to receive the Giyula, the, the, the powers of Malchus, and he can reign in Yerushalayim, so too Mashiach Tzedkenu is first going to take care of Hebron, and maybe that's the reason why, related to the Rebbe Rashab. As I once said, it's interesting how all these announcements coming from the Trump administration are related to special days. Purim is when he did the Golan Heights. Hanukkah is when he freed Rubashkin. Jerusalem was announced on Yutes Kislev. Yud Aleph Nisan, his Rebbe's birthday, was when the, 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 the church in, 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 in France, the uh, whatever, burned down. I mean, it's amazing. And on Chav when the Rebbe Rashab's um, birthday, in which the Rebbe Rashab was the one who stationed, started Yeshiva's Tamim as the Yeshiva that's going to prepare the world, and he called them. He called them um, um, David, the armies of, 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 of the house of David, David the Melech's armies. And he said, we are, he said about himself, we are from the family of David, we are from the kings of David, David. So on his birthday, the day that his mazal is gover, it was announced that Jews living in Hebron and settlements over there are not illegal. And it was done on this day. It's amazing. So this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Mashiach is on his way. It's going to be here any second. Let's prepare. Let's get excited.